This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the most valuable sports podcast. Brandon Worth, we are with Joe Nagy. And boy, was this one we have all been waiting for. Yeah, this is uh, this episode is one that we've been having on the calendar for a really long time. Uh, we are super excited to bring it to you guys because we have just been, this has really been the goal for basically since we started the podcast to be able to have this type of guest on and to be able to finally have it. I mean, it just kind of shows a testament to what we've been able to work on, Brandon, and uh, how far this podcast has come. Not only that, but to you, the fans have done to support this show as well. Give yourselves a round of applause because you help make this happen. Yes, Dr. Bill Pink will be stopping by momentarily to join us to talk about his journey to becoming the president of Fair State University and his athletic background, which I don't think many people actually know a lot about. It is very, very cool what he's done in the world of athletics. We'll talk to him about that as well as we'll get into the NFL draft. I know there's a lot of Lions fans out there that are shocked, confused, and absolutely irate. And I will say why you shouldn't be as well as we'll go through all of the first round picks kind of and grade them throughout and see which ones surprised us. Cause I know Joe, there was a couple that surprised me uh, besides the lions, of course, but I think the lions made a lot of headlines last night. Yeah. I was not, uh, not too sure what Brad Holmes had in mind, but uh, it's very exciting to see what's going to happen with this draft. But Brandon rundown. Yeah, let's get through it here. So starting today on the 28th, we got softball. It is senior day. So if you're listening to this right now, Get on over to the Head softball field. Three o'clock and five o'clock. Three o'clock, five o'clock. Wayne State is in town for the final home game of the season. And uh, breaking news, uh, your boys are on the call. Wait, yeah. wait hold well, on. Game two are on the much. call, baby. Let's game go. two, we will be on the mic so you can hop on full sports as well if you're not around and it should be some pretty big games. These were really some games that I'm sure that we've been looking forward to, obviously, with Senior Day festivities and get to celebrate all the accomplishments of all of our four-year players. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the biggest thing, too, is this is a team that we've beaten on the road. We went down to Detroit, beat them in some lower-scoring games, and I think these are two games that really can help pivot our momentum because we got a big rest of the weekend on deck as well. Saginaw Valley, we have a makeup game as well as we got to play that team down south once again after the rain out just a little bit ago. Yeah, that's going to be a really solid game. We also play uh, Grand Valley and all that stuff. Men's tennis is also in action this week against yes. Tiffin for the first part of the NCAA tournament uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. They're going to be taking on uh, them at 2 o'clock tomorrow or Saturday. Saturday, if you're listening to this. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. And then honestly, track and field is the only other thing going on, Brandon. Yeah, it's a pretty light weekend. We're getting towards the end here. I know everybody's probably stressed about exam week coming up, but just relax. It's almost there. Deep Take breath and you got it, brother. Yeah, you got it. Make sure you study this weekend and you guys are going to kill it. But yeah, I mean, especially going through this weekend, uh, I mean, obviously softball playing at home, get the bats rolling. Let's shut them down defensively. This is a momentum boosting game. Tennis, obviously, Tiffin, this was a team we already played on the road here earlier this year, squeaked out a 4-3 win down there in Sandusky. So this is a team that we have beaten mm-hmm. before, but 
They're a very, very good team. They have been for many years. So being sure one through six, we're lining up, get that doubles point, get the momentum early, and let our talent and singles take over. And then obviously track and field will be at Davenport as well as a little insider information. Some guys are going to extra weekend at Grand Valley State, Hey-o. which is late Saturday night. Okay. Your boy's running steeple under the lights. I'm stoked. Dude, dude, that's going to be sick. It's going to be exciting. That's going to be so cool. But I a lot of bulldogs wait. in action this weekend, Brandon. Oh, so many. Almost done with the school year, and man, it's going to be a good one. But can't wait, man. Can't wait, man. But I know you guys have been waiting way too long, and so are we. So without further ado, let's swing it to the interview. Now joining us here in studio, it's an honor, it's a pleasure. We got the huge boss in here, Dr. Bill Pink himself. Dr. Pink, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Guys, I am so excited about this. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Dr. Pink, it's such an honor to have you on and be able to take such uh, time out of your busy schedule. I mean, with commencement coming up, uh, we can't express how thankful we are for you to come on. But first question for you, I mean, you've had an illustrious career, player uh, at Oklahoma Christian University, and as also just being a coach, AD, and all that type of stuff. I mean, Talk about what that journey has been like for you from being a college athlete to now, you know, a president of a university. Just go through that. Yeah. So, Joe, I'll tell you, um, it has been a um, God has blessed me with a fun ride. I mean, um, when I look back at 30 plus years um, of uh, of a career, um, don't do the math on that. Um, <laughs> it, it's It's been fun, you know, um, and that I will tell you from a standpoint of being a student athlete to. Uh, spending time as a coach, as an athletic director. Um, those things, when you talk about prepping you for um, roles like I have now, it, 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 was, it was tremendous because um, there are so many elements of that that, you, that bleed over into the work I do now leading a university. Um, the idea of how you uh, try to have a, a team that works well together. Uh, in a in in my in my case in my vice presidents my uh, my direct reports having a team that works well together seeing why in some cases where we're having gaps and how do we you know how do you do something to get at that gap um, uh, that's that's important how do you build that team uh, how do you play on their strengths I mean as a coach I didn't have my my six nine center last thing he needs to be doing. Think, back then, last thing he needed to think about is shooting a three because he couldn't hit it. <laughs> so um, it wasn't his job, though. Uh, his job was to get in and and push people around, score on the inside. So um, it's the same thing in leadership. You put people in the right place and take full advantage of their strengths. And in some cases, they complement what your weaknesses are as a leader so that uh, the whole, as far as the leadership is uh, team and the leadership dynamic is concerned, truly hits at all cylinders where someone is weak. You have to bring someone in else in who's strong uh, so that you're able to have the best success of organization. Absolutely. No, I know, especially your time here, especially one thing that you've emphasized, uh, especially considering athletics is how important that relates to academics and how student athlete really can help build the image of university. Just talk about that whole philosophy. And I know, especially for me, when I first got on campus and we heard your speech about the fishbowl and really how that applies as well uh, for just the image that athletes have at the university. And and Brenda, I'll tell you, the thing is, um, our student athletes, when you think about a university campus like ours, um, a successful athletic program for years. The most visible thing on our college or university campus, the most visible thing from a national perspective, we have several. So we have awesome academic programs that are known nationally. People talk to me nationally about what we do 
in welding education, welding engineering technology, our construction management folks send people from all over the country here. You need to go to Ferris State for that. Um, those are two. Our College of Optometry, Pharmacy, uh, those things are known. But when it comes to a national spotlight, truly a spotlight, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to find something stronger than an institution that wins a back-to-back national championship. Hard to get that. I had during that national championship game, I tell folks, I had folks texting me from all over the country, hey, I'm watching a team play on TV. You guys are great, all right? I remember one coming in from a friend who lives in Washington State. He's sitting there watching our football team win a national championship. Um, several years ago when our basketball team, when they go all the way to the, to the national championship, we even had folks in Seattle last, uh, last fall with our women's uh, soccer team. So it has this national um, presence that if we're not able to recognize that and leverage that, we're missing. You have to leverage the good. You have to take things that are working well and blow that out to the, to the masses to say, here's one of the many things that this institution does and does really well. And so, um, gosh, when I was hired, I said, you know what? If we win another national championship in football, I said, we're going to have a year-long celebration. And you notice, seems like we always come up with something else. Yeah, yeah. Celebrating the national championship. Why? Two reasons. One, for the national prominence, but also how that kind of uh, how that how that kind of thing also gets your campus excited, and mm-hmm. you have to take advantage of both. And uh, athletics is one of the main catalysts to have that happen on a university campus. For sure, yeah, and especially one of the big things that has ma- has made you such such a liked president already is your ability to connect with people. You are such a genuine person. I mean, have you had anybody in your life that has kind of taught you those type of things of how to treat people and how that's been able to carry over in a lot of the success that you've seen in your life? Oh, Joe, I'll tell you, um, for me, um, first of all, I tell people that anything good you see of me is not of me. Uh, I happen to uh, be a, a, a person of faith and anything you see good of me is from, uh, for, is coming from somewhere, not of this, this world. Uh, the bad stuff in me is probably more of me. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I will tell you that uh, it's that influence, number one, but number two, uh, my my leadership style, and I think this when I talk about leadership to groups, uh, typically a leadership style is so made up of a sum of many parts with a, with a bit of your own thinking, right? So uh, there are things about my leadership that I see various leaders in my lifetime uh, taught me. Um, there's a side of me that comes from a good friend of mine uh, in Oklahoma who I served under him as an associate dean when he was dean of a college of education. Um, uh, Jim Mackle it was his name. I see the passion and compassion he had as a leader. I mean, he was, he's a compassionate leader um, that, has, that showed care for people and would st- stop and take time to talk to people and uh, would do what I do a lot in my, my assistants. <laughs> they drive them crazy, go overtime with a person because I'm still, we still have to, you know, I, I need to help you get to a place and, and help you feel uh, listened to. And so that was how, that I, that's a part of me. But I also had another uh, individual I served as, pre- as vice president under. And uh, she was uh, Natalie Shirley. She was the president at Oklahoma State University in Oklahoma City. And she had compassion. She had love for people. But she also had a firm hand in saying, yeah, but this is where we have to go and we have to get there. Um, she had a strong business background. And so I see parts of me, uh, parts of her and me as well from a standpoint of, yeah, but here's where we have to get to. and how." How, when are we going to get there? And let's, let's get there yesterday. 
um, because in higher education, we're known to be slow and I hate that. And so she taught me that part. Um, my own parents taught me a lot in terms of how you care for people. Um, one of the things that, um, that Natalie used to say is you always have to give people a soft place to land. And uh, what that means is sometimes uh, even when you're dealing with someone who is messed up uh, in what, in their performance or is at a bad place in a low place, give them a soft place to land, give them a, a, a place that they feel like at the end of the day, I and this university still values and takes care of them uh, in every situation. For sure. And especially, I know, um, I, I mean, you can use an example from the whole interview we've done so far. And I know I've been to a couple of the banquets that you've spoke at. There's no question that anybody that hears you public speaking, storytelling off the charts, what are some of those things that you learned to really reach that point? And especially, I mean, just how do you prepare some of those things? Cause I, it feels like you're going off the cuff and it's like, I would have planned two hours and not gotten to that point. <laughs> uh, okay. So Brandy, you, you tap it on something there. So, um, and what, what I mean by that is um, when I used to, when I was uh, a faculty member um, in uh, gosh, for, for several years, um, um, both in Nebraska and in Oklahoma, a bit out in Oregon as faculty. Um, one of my main classes I taught, one of my first classes that I taught was public speaking. So basic speech. I was, uh, mass comm was my minor, um, education, physical education was my major in, in my undergrad. And so I still love to teach that basic speech course, love to teach that because public speaking is something that I like to help people feel relaxed about. Um, typically that was the class that the last class that people want to take is, oh gosh, I got to take speech. Uh, well, yeah. I wanted to help them get to that point where, uh, they would not only get past that class, but actually successfully get to a point where they where at the end of it, they're going, you know what? I can do this. Uh, and, and I did it. And so for me, public speaking, uh, uh, the Lord has blessed me with that, with that piece. The reason why it's a, a challenge for me is, is because, um, I never, I never, I hate to use extreme words, but in this case, I'm going to say, I never like to or ever use a manuscript. It's just me. I just don't like to do that. Um, there are people who do manuscript speeches that do amazing work. But for me, I want to have eye contact with my crowd from start to finish because I want to establish in the whatever time we're doing it, I want to establish relationship. And once I can establish relationship through that presentation, by the time it's over with, um, my goal every time I speak is to be able to look at the crowd. There's an internal, uh, there's an internal uh, ruler in my head as to at what level that I have them rated, palm of hand. So I'm looking and I'm, and I'm always assessing, do I have them? And when I see the moment I have them, that's when we really need to get across. Here's what we're trying, where we're trying to. So for me, public speaking is, um, I, I'm, I'm fortunate, uh, enough to have moved, uh, in my career to a place where, uh, public speaking is a, um, uh, it's a challenge from a perspective of how, how well can we get it done in terms of getting the, 
message across. And so if you ever see me with a, a manuscript or notes or something, you may see a little note thing come out. But if you ever see me reading a manuscript, get on me, okay? Say, wait a minute. <laughs> I got uh, you. Yeah, do that for me. I'll Remember, you, this we'll episode. Hold you accountable. Yes. We'll hold you accountable yes, for it, for yes, sure. Yes, there's, there's a little pride. And if you see it, that means that um, typically when I do that, that means there's something very exact that I need to say to the people. Mm-hmm. Let's say something something is happening on campus that is so vital that there's an exact piece that I need to get out. You will see something of that, but otherwise um, I just need to establish a relationship. That's incredible. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's, I'll have to write that down. That's a great tip to have. <laughs> we'll bookmark sure. this part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. You see a manuscript. <laughs> exactly. Call him out. Uh, but for, uh, especially for being a president, it's such a busy lifestyle for you. I mean, when you do have some sort of downtime, you know, what do you, what do you usually do when you kick your feet back and kind of relax a little bit? Joe, that's easy. Um, so, uh, number one, it uh, family is important, and um, my wife and I have been together, been married for over twenty years, and um, we we try to do a lot of downtime together if we can. Um, our daughter, who's a student here uh, at Ferris, Lydia, you know, where we can get her in on it. We love for her to hang out with us, and that's always a joy. Um, but typically, my two means of therapy are. Um, are golf and fishing. Wow. So I'm a year round fisherman. I'm right um, there with you, man. I'm right including, there you. including I, I, with my knee injury, I missed a whole season of ice fishing. That was upsetting to me because I always, I mean, that's, that's my, my winter jam is to ice mm-hmm. fish. So I did not get to do that this winter because of this uh, knee injury. But um, I am just fired up about the fact that um, as soon as it's a tad bit warmer, I'm out, I'm on, I'm on the lake. I'm somewhere fishing. Um, and the hard part about that is being able to squeeze in either fishing and golf or golf, um, because I love to golf. Uh, what we call a really good day is when, um, is when we can start out the day, uh, on the golf course and end the day on the lake. (laughs) So, uh, uh, we're, we're, uh, smashing a golf ball and then smashing some, uh, marginal grass. Oh yeah. That to me, that, that, that is therapeutic to me. Are you the type of person that's going to sneak a fishing pole on the golf course, try to slam oh. a few? In <laughs> so I will tell you that if I were not in the position I am, <laughs> I would probably be more prone to it. But as president, if it, it'd be fun until you got caught, right? Yeah, that, is true. Yeah. that one makes news. University yeah. president found illegally fishing on, <laughs> on Tullymore. That would not go well. Uh, so yeah. I try to avoid that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm even the guy who, um, you know, if it's not seasoned to keep uh, a, a, a bass, I'm not going to keep it. Mm-hmm. Not seasoned. Don't keep, if it's, uh, I try to adhere to the rules as much as possible uh, on uh, on things like that. So no, I probably wouldn't. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it depends on how the how big the fish are in there. Because the, I'm just saying, you know, Joe, you've seen it. You guys have seen it. Yeah, you know, I've I've been on a golf course and I go past a a, a little a, a pond or a good size a good size pond and I'm seeing monsters swimming in there and I'm going, is anyone doing anything? <laughs> so yeah, I'm there. They toss a bay and they'd smack it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're probably hungry. They've been in there for a yeah, while. But yeah, they don't want to eat golf balls all day. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. But uh, kind of speaking of the the lifestyle a little bit, obviously being the university president, got to be a tough task day to day, especially when it comes to scheduling. No, we had to go well in advance to get this to happen. Um, but kind of more in the day in the life. I mean, when you wake up in the morning to when you fall asleep at night, I mean, what kind of goes in there? Because I'm sure, I mean, academics wise or public relations wise, athletic wise, 
I can't amount imagine of meetings and people that you meet throughout a given day. I, I Brandon, I'll, I'll tell you on that. What's fun about it, and it's actually fun to me, and that um, whenever I uh, speak to, um, occasionally I will be invited to speak to uh, folks across the country who are in uh, different um, cohorts looking at leadership, wanting to be a college or university president one day. Love talking to those groups because uh, I love to talk to them about a day in the life and to help them understand this is a day, a typical day. Is this, are you okay with this? Because the next day will probably look totally different. And so that's one of the joys of it is that every day looks different. And every day has so much variety to go in a day for, and I sometimes laugh at it because uh, to start out the day, maybe sitting, sitting and talking to one of my, uh, one of my vice presidents about what he or she is doing to then moving toward uh, going over to uh, the elementary, this is the actual day, going over to the elementary school to read to kids um, because of, you know, the little ones coming in, you know, reading this big guy walking in. It's always fun um, reading to kids. Then to leave there and go to a luncheon where we're talking to um, a group of, of students who are having a luncheon on uh, what, uh, whatever organization they represent. Then you leave there. Then you may be going, uh, driving over to, uh, to Grand Rapids because there's a meeting over there of, of something going on. And then that evening, you may find yourself right back here or maybe you have to go all the way into Detroit because of a dinner there. And so it's, it's the variety of things. A day like today where um, I spent time this morning speaking to uh, some of our, our advisors on campus. Um, before that, speaking to, I mean, we're actually preparing to make a pretty cool announcement this afternoon. So getting that, that thing ready, this, uh, this interview, now we have torchbearer luncheon uh, at noon, uh, having a conversation, um, actually leaving there, uh, while that's going on and going out on the quad because of, uh, one of our, uh, groups on campus having a men's March going and, you know, kind of doing some stuff with them, then heading in to do an interview, uh, on uh, sports rate. So that's fun to me. I mean, the variety of things, um, that I, I love it because in one case, I'm talking about my background. In another case, I'm talking about students and where we're going this afternoon. I'll be talking about our sports, talking about athletics. So that to me is fun because the variety of it keeps, uh, keeps the energy. Yeah, absolutely. It's a million miles an hour. It's nonstop. Two to three million. <laughs> <laughs> Even bump it up a little bit more. I mean, it's, it, it can get, uh, uh, it, um, it, it drives my assistant crazy. Because she has to, I try not to touch the calendar. That's my, that's my rule. I don't, I do not touch the calendar because I tell them, uh, my two assistants, um, I tell them the calendar is yours. And I just say, I need this scheduled. And then they, they work magic to get that, to get that done. And sometimes it means that something is delayed for a while before we can get to it. But um, we want to get to everything we possibly can. I just, you always just, guys need to, whenever you talk to them, say, you know what? I am so sorry. Just apologize to them <laughs> yeah. for the fact of what they have to go through. Oh, absolutely. And especially you mentioned your daughter earlier. I mean, she was able to uh, really fit into a really good role with athletics uh, with, especially those game day operations. I mean, talk to talk about how special that is for you to be able to see her already be able to just kind of be in that fair state culture and uh, have a part in it. Yeah. Joe, she was, uh, she was with us at, uh, at Grand Rapids community college. She started there as a freshman um, that, was last year, my last year being there. And when, uh, when I was named as president of Ferris, um, we told her, you know what, do what you want to do. If you want to stay at GRCC and finish an associate, then transfer somewhere, do that. If you want to go somewhere else, 
do that. Or if you want to come to Ferris, whatever you want to do. And she, she gave it a lot of thought. And uh, she said, you know what? I think I, I think I want to come to Ferris. And so uh, for her to come and be here on campus, living on campus and uh, seeing her just kind of really uh, get her own jam and really thrive in what she's doing. She's uh, not only involved with uh, athletics, she's involved with uh, real life one uh, group on campus. Um, her involvement with athletics in terms of game day operations, I think that's been awesome for her. Uh, it pulled uh, something out of her that she knew she had, but had to but then was able to share and do some things. Um, we keep, I keep bothering her about the fact that, Hey, sweetie, you need to look at doing this, you know, long-term what, you know, what, this could be something she's like, eh, no, I mean, it's, it's probably not her end game. She's really into, uh, she's a major in healthcare management. And so she's really thinking in that regard, specifically towards sonography. So, but it's cool when we see how well she's, uh, acclimated to Ferris state, um, and has some awesome friends that she's made here. And, um, she gets, uh, she, she really gets, gets into the, the campus, the campus life of what fits her. And that's been, it's a joy for us as well. Awesome. Absolutely. And Dr. Pink, we won't take up too much of your time because I know you got something going on probably in the next 30 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> we appreciate you being here. Obviously, uh, it means the world to us, especially for our show. Last question for you. It's a tradition question. We ask everyone we have on the show. I'm sure it's probably a loaded question for you because there's probably so many things. What's been your favorite thing about being here at Ferris State and being a Bulldog? Oh, that's easy. Students. I mean, to me, um, if ever I am uh, wondering uh, and ever I'm having a bad day and bad days come uh, where you're just going, man, what are we, what's going on here? Um, whenever those days come, you just hang out with students for a while because you guys always remind me of why I'm doing this. It's not for any, it's for what we're doing here with our students. And so um, it's, I, I love spending time with our faculty and staff administration. I have an awesome board end of the day. I mean, hanging out and spending time finding out what student stories are, what students are doing, what they want to do, where they want to do it, where are you going? That to me, um, it speaks to me because when students tell me, here's where I'm going, then it is up incumbent upon us to make sure we are making that path as smooth as possible. We don't always do it perfect, but that's where we're trying to get to is making the smoothest paths possible so that our students uh, finish here and get into not just a job, they get into a career path that will set them on a trajectory that will be able to feed themselves and their families for decades to come. So to me, that's what gets me up. It's, uh, it's being able to make sure we're doing uh, what we have to and doing what we can for you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Dr. Pink, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. You guys are kind to let me be a part of it. Thank you. Huge, huge, huge. I don't know how many more huges I can yeah. use, but you can insert as many as you need because I can't think of a number that describes how thankful we are for Dr. Pink for stopping in. I mean, every time I feel like when we speak with him or hear from him, I know I always learn something new. I know a lot of people learn something new. And it's just incredible to see his philosophy and his take on everything because it's such a unique way to think about it. And I just really enjoy the way that he speaks because, I mean, he is a storyteller and yeah. he's one of the best at it. Yeah, Dr. Pink's a class act. And uh, to be able to have him on the podcast, huge honor. And, man, we can't thank him enough to be able to take time out of his super, super busy schedule. Oh, uh, yeah, because, for well, sure. month or so, month and a half that we've been trying to plan this out. So Pretty much, yeah. And huge thanks to Dr. Pink for coming on the show. Huge thanks. So uh, we'll go really quick before we get into NFL draft stuff. I know you guys are excited for that. We'll go through the Fair State Report here from over the last week and certainly got a lot on deck here 
uh, coming up this weekend, but uh, obviously covered some things here um, from last week. Obviously, softball getting the wins um, in that early on Saturday game ended up dropping Sunday's game uh, against Purdue and Parkside, respectively. Uh, or no, backwards for Parkside, Purdue. For mm-hmm. respect to say earlier is flip flopped. So yeah, of course. And then golf time, yeah. winning the conference championship. Huge. I mean, that's huge for huge. the program. Uh, men's of course, men's tennis winning the regular season championship. Huge. huge. Uh, but I think when you see really how all the dogs are doing right now, and especially when you see now all the GLIAC honorees are coming out, we got a bunch of tennis guys that were awarded uh, on men's and women's side as well. Uh, as we'll see the softball and the track wins come out likely next week once everything is concluded um, fully. But I think you see, uh, especially when you look at where every team is at, I mean, there's, I don't see a team, especially after we took what you saw the spring game, especially here in football, like no team feels like when, when you look at their roster and when you look at what they did all year, there's no reason to degrade any team. Like they're still building. And even though there's going to be teams that lose crucial seniors and upperclassmen, like I don't, there's no real team that's like, oh yeah, they're probably going to have a big drop this year. Like I'm looking across the, I can't see one, man. I can't see one. The depth across the whole, all the sports is right there. And that's the crazy thing about it is not a lot of schools can say that where each, where each sport is probably just going to keep on with the same amount of success that they saw the year before. And that's going to be, that's really what makes this uh, program, what makes this school even better when it comes to athletics. Yeah, I mean, it is just huge. But some tennis players to highlight, uh, freshman of the year, Eric Kovacs, congrats to him as well as Coach Doran, Coach of the Year. We had the Coach of the Year in Gliac Tennis on our podcast. Yeah, That's we did. pretty cool. Yeah, we did. That's pretty cool. So uh, some other nominees, Jan Kapul, Eric Kovacs, both first teamers as well as Benjamin Lordy, also in that list for first team Ogliac. Uh Second team, Yannick Madur, also on the show. Shout out to Yannick as well. Uh, uh, and then honorable mention, Asunga Ndumbe is a freshman. Already an honorable mention in all conference play. He's a gamer, man. He He's is an deal. absolute gamer. Uh, over on the women's side, also some nominees that were taken uh, in the ugly X selection list. Of course, one of the more notable in the first team list, Sophie DeVita. Uh, getting a first-team Ogliak honoree, so congratulations to her, as well as Morgan Waller, second-team Ogliak, and then Anna Hernandez rounding out as the honorable mention in the Ogliak honorees for women's tennis. So still getting award winners, man. Certainly cool. And we did have the ESPYs as well just a little while ago, and that was, was certainly say. pretty entertaining. So uh, had it in Wink this year, didn't get to have it in the UC due to scheduling issues by what I've heard. Uh, but certainly it was a pretty solid, I will say this on air, and it deserves attention. Kai Service and Mallory McCartney's opening video was absolutely hysterical. I saw a couple clips of it. Oh my gosh. Like the fact that we had Kai dressed up and playing volleyball in a Ferris State uniform is one of the greatest things that we've shown on that video board. Oh, it was funny. absolutely hysterical. And those two did a really good job. Obviously, uh, we've chatted with both of them here on the podcast. Great characters, great hosts as well. Uh, a lot of honorees as well. Carson Golker, uh, Mr. Bulldog of the Year, Caleb Murphy, uh, the Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, certainly some great honorees. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. Uh, Eddie Jewett, can he do it? Yes, he can. Uh, he ended up getting the rookie of the year on the men's side. Uh, and there's just some really, really cool, really cool moments there, especially uh, getting just to see the president's award winners and uh, seeing all that as well as they highlighted the bandana project, which is a really cool project that's still up and coming here at the university in athletics. So uh, some really, really cool overall uh, just 
just soaking it all in uh, really is cool. I believe Nikki May won Mrs. Bulldog uh, on that side as well as Chloe Idoni was Women's Athlete of the Year, I believe. Uh, and I can't remember who Rookie of the Year was on the women's side, but I'll be sure to try to think of that here on the end of the show, and I'll try to mention it. But uh, certainly just a cool overall, getting everybody together and you know getting to chat it up. Obviously, uh, most of the time there's teams staying within teams, but then you see that little bit of crossover when you're up there and uh, going up to get your award and you get to say hi to some people. It's pretty cool. So uh, certainly was a memorable event. And uh, even Dr. Fink himself was there and spoke as well as uh, even though uh, Steve was not necessarily in the building, Mr. Brocklebank, of course, our AD, uh, he sent us a video over the video board. So that was pretty cool uh, since, you know, CCHA hockey has to do their meetings before our ESPYs. But no, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's fine. Wait, it, it happens. I know there's stuff, business man. stuff going on. So, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's all we got here for the report. Pretty light load here. No, yeah, not really normal. Yeah. Not really too crazy. Honestly, it's, yeah. uh, it's weird winding down and, and, uh, the school, school year's winding down, Brandon, we graduate in like a week and a half. Oh my. Or a I week guess and a, a day. week and a day. A week and a day. Jeez, man. Oh no. It just set in pretty Jeez. bad. It's spooky. It is very, yeah, very, wild. very spooky now, but. I think we'll still have fun at graduation. I, I just, still think so too. It's I'm hoping it's not hot like it has been. Yeah, years past. me too. I'm also hoping that it's not hot because that's gonna really stink. Yeah, because it's gonna be what four o'clock when we're four actually. O'clock. Yeah, and then I don't know how many people are graduating from the College of Arts and Science. Gotta be a lot. That and business are absolutely loaded <sighs> when it comes it's to be like a 400 person. Could be. In my high school was like 110, so it flew by. Oh, I think we're going to have more than that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's going to be wild. I'm in the Oh, dude, you're at the last part of it, too. Your name's at the back of it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's seating by alphabet or if it's actually... It's, uh, no, so... I don't actually I think remember how that goes, works. You can sit wherever, I think. But you have to... Uh, like, you have your name card. And then when you go up, like, it's kind of just based off of that, I think. I think you go row by row, and then you just hand them your name card. Oh, so you can sit wherever I you want. Think. I think. I was so. looking at the... I think I forget who it was Kelly Tolan or something. She sent out an email. Oh yeah, stuff, so. I probably have that email saved. I just, I just didn't look at it long enough because I was like, I'll look at that, that next either. week. You know, because obviously we got stuff going on. We'll see but. how it goes. But if you guys want to sneak into Wink and see me and Brandon graduate at four o'clock on Saturday at Jim Wink Arena, then Woo! be our guest. Yeah, I hear there's extra tickets swirling around. Is Don't there? know where, but that's just my sources. I'm not going to reveal my sources. Okay, but where can we get those? I, I have there's some, some. That want to show up. Oh, I mean, I think I might be able to hook you up. We'll have to get through this episode, Hello. and I'll hook Joe up here with some extra tickets. But Go. anyway, that's enough Fair State stuff. Let's get right into it. NFL Draft, round one in the books here. As we're listening to this here on Friday morning, if you're just joining us, if not, it's a little bit of a review, but that's all right. Wow. What a... We went down Un-chalk, on the NFL draft. Not dude. chalk. <laughs> Big boards thrown out the window. You're getting the guy that you want, and it don't matter where he is on the big board. You're drafting him immediately, and the Lions were certainly the highlight, but they were not the only oh. team. Dude, also, before we really get into it, can ESPN stop like trying to push Will Levis as like the next second coming? <laughs> of the greatest quarter. He's like an all right quarterback. He was in the SEC. He did all right. He didn't even break the record for Kentucky passing touchdowns in a season. He was fourth most. Yeah. And you're going to try to push him as a number one pick? Like, that's not even a question. And then the thing is, is everybody knows now, ever since Zach Wilson's thing where he threw like a 50-yard dime on the run opposite way, and then Will Levis does the same thing, people aren't surprised or people aren't going to be fooled by that because they see how bad Zach Wilson has turned out. I don't think people under, like... People have been accustomed to being fooled by that type of stuff. And I knew, well, I mean, I called it, man. 
I said he was going to fall, and then he did. You called it, my I friend. I did call it. And then, I don't know, this whole, that's been my one gripe about this, is that ESPN and, like, the NFL has been, like, pushing Will Levis. It's like, he might go first, actually. And then he was like, he was like a 98% first rounder. He's not going to fall to the second round. And then it's like, well, if you really look at it, there's four other quarterbacks that are better than him in this draft. I don't know why you would try to push him as a top five pick. Rip his bank account, though, man. Yeah. He was probably thinking he was going to get a nice, like, $30 million signing bonus. And then now it's probably going to be five. Not even. Not even. Yeah. Second rounder. Brutal. Brutal, brutal. That's tough, brother. We do know a name from last year that went through the same thing. One named Malik Willis. Mm -hmm. And look at him. He sucks. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> look like at him. I, he's bad. I like how you had to highlight that point of it. But anyway, I was just talking about the signing bonus. No, there yeah, you go. exactly. Uh, yeah, but he's still pretty bad. Anyway, uh, some notable picks here. Obviously, Bryce Young goes number one overall to the Panthers. Don't think that. I think that was the least surprising pick uh, in the whole draft. Obviously, number one. I think that was a pretty uh, set in stone selection. Uh, the Texans, though, get C.J. Stroud and trade for number three to get Will Anderson. So they get C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson uh, in a deal that I believe sends their first and seconds next year uh, to the Cards, which, I mean, if you're the Cardinals, you need all the help you can get. So obviously being able to trade back, I think, was probably a good move for them, even though they ended up trading up with the Lions, which we just got, and we'll get here in just a minute. But bold move there from Nick Casario, obviously with a new head coach, D'Amico Ryan. So that's a definite interesting selection. But hey, you got two of the best guys in the draft, yeah. one I at the quarterback gonna, and one at the linebacker That position. is true. They needed so much. I thought they were going to pull like a little, uh, like send draft, what is his name? Jackson Smith and Jigba down at what they what they used to have. What was it, like the eighth pick or something like oh, that? Oh, 12, yeah. 12 there picks, was a yeah. lot of people that thought it would be Stroud and Jackson so I was Smith like, and you Jigba. Need, you need both of those type of players, and you could have just gotten two guys who already have the chemistry. But I honestly like this pick because you take out, basically, you still need to kind of beef up both sides of the ball, but to be able to get a pretty solid start on both of those, I think you're going to be all right. CJ Stroud, I've... I'm skeptical about how he's going to turn out in the NFL because of, you know, the cognitive test, but also cognitive test isn't always everything because what was it? McNabb did it and he scored like a six and he was pretty all right in the NFL. So he should be all right. But I'm just interested to see how the Texans go because they've been in a rebuild for quite a long time. And I would feel bad for their fans if this one doesn't work out, especially when you got two and three on the board. Yeah. I think it'll be very interesting to see how their franchise goes from there with those two picks because they went all in in this draft right out of the gate. So that shows that they want to be aggressive uh, here in this first draft. But um, some other notable names here uh, to go over here. Obviously, uh, the number four selection was very notable. Would it be Will Evis? Would it be Anthony Richardson? And it ends Anthony up being the man from Florida. So Anthony Richardson goes to the Colts. They look at the upside and they like that better uh, than when That's Will a Levis. Pick. I like that pick. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the oh. hardest the hardest part, I think, for a lot of people, and I know like when we and my buddies were having this discussion as we were watching it and we were kind of trying to predict it last night, was when the Colts obviously were looking at a quarterback, do they have somebody that they can groom Anthony Richardson? I mean... Not really, uh, yeah, no. but where you are as a franchise, I mean, you're trying to, you're trying to fully start over, you know, like they're they're They have some pieces, but they were not a great football team last year. They no. were not good. And then obviously the head coaching change made it look a lot worse. So I think at that point, I mean, you're better off taking one guy that you absolutely trust than trying to take the safe pick and trying to build it up from there, even though you know the potential in one player is higher when you groom him on later a couple years. Yeah, give it two or three years, and that offense is going to be so versatile, especially with Richardson's ability to get out of the pocket and scramble. He's a big guy, and he's an athlete. I don't think with Will Levis you're going to be looking at having that ability where 
you can have a little bit lesser of an O-line now because Richardson can scramble a little bit. Yeah, as some people say it's not the best for trying to develop young quarterbacks or trying to get them to adapt to the NFL system and be able to kind of get better with throwing. Anthony Richards has the cannon. He doesn't have, I mean, I say he doesn't have the accuracy. He has the accuracy. It's a little bit off compared to, you know, Bryce Young and Will Levis, but his skill set is so diverse that I think, especially with the Colts, that's what they need because they've been going with quarterbacks like, Peyton Manning, who is pretty much just a set in stone pocket passer. Andrew Luck, he would scramble every once in a while, pocket passer. Phillip Rivers, pocket passer. Matt Ryan, pocket passer. Nick Foles, pocket passer. You stay with that for a while. Yeah, you had some success uh, when it came up to Phillip Rivers because you made the playoffs, but you kind of need to switch it up because if you don't switch it up soon, then you might be left in the dust, especially in that division that they're in because they want to be able to make some noise. And especially with Anthony Richardson, you're going to be able to find that with a guy who's going to be able to make something out of nothing and you get a nut. Last season, you had nothing a lot of the times. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see where they go from there. And I think especially when you look at the Colts franchise, I mean, they just need they just need to kind of refine their identity. I mean, they were a really gritty, defensive-heavy team a couple years ago. And ever since then, it's just, was sick. just been up in the air. So now I think they're going to try a new direction, a new a new look from Chris Ballard and company. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Devin Witherspoon goes number five to the Seahawks. It's a little bit of a surprising move, especially for Lions fans, as that was a guy that we were tabbed for taking uh, quite a bit of time. But he's a really good football player. I think he'll turn out really well uh, for them as well as Cardinals trade up for Paris Johnson Jr., uh, certainly a really talented player as well at the tackle position. Not as flashy, but I mean, the Cardinals, you need a, you need a lot of help. So take the best player available. And in their case, it was an offensive lineman. So they get that. The Raiders pick Tyree Wilson. I think that's a really good pick for them. That fills a big need. The Falcons take Bijan Robinson out of Texas. Now they had to Tyler Algier really groomed to have a really nice couple good games last season. Like you look at his last four, three, four games, he was pretty much unstoppable. But they get Bijan Robinson. They have a nice little tandem there, and now you kind of go into this season with Desmond Ritter. You get a you have a couple of weapons needs, and obviously they can address those in later rounds. But I mean, they still they're they're showing some they showed some big improvement in free agency defensively. Now offensively, they're kind of building that up with these young guys. So they could be a little bit of a scary team right now in a NFC South division that looks very very bleak right now. Yeah, that's true. I it's it's interesting because as for them, I wasn't really expecting that's the thing, especially when you take there's two quarter or not quarterbacks, sorry, running backs that get taken so early in the draft because running backs have been uh in my opinion, running backs have been a position that's kind of on the out a little bit with it is with how valuable they are. Of course, Lions with last year we had the two we had Swift and we had Jamal, and Jamal, you know, set the record or whatever. Uh and he was a valuable player, but if you look at them as a whole, you haven't really been seeing any running backs that have taken over the league. People thought Zeke was going to be that way. He's fallen off. People thought Swift was going to be that way when we drafted him. He's kind of been injured, injured as yeah. well as he's not really a guy that can, you know, have that takeover ability. And honestly, me blanking on whatever other running backs I'm trying to come up with an example for this explains and is a good explanation for why taking running backs so early is not always the best thing because it's just been evolved out of the game so far and for them to take one this early it's interesting hopefully it works out because i did like Bijan robinson at texas and he did really well but compared to uh that division as well as nfl defensive lines are you going to be able to make noise right at the start we'll see because you know derrick henry is really the only one that kind of out of college was able to come at this but that's really the only reason is because he was like a six six monster so that's the the biggest thing i don't know if Bijan robinson's got the size or the or the strength 
I mean, he definitely has a lot of the tools, but it'll be very interesting to see how he's using that system. I love the kid, and I certainly think he's deserving of a first-round pick. It's the value of running backs that creates all these questions. So let's get let's go right to it then. Let's waste no time. 12 and 18, Lions take Jameer Gibbs at 12. Most surprising pick in the draft. You can't argue otherwise. Surprised a lot. This one was interesting, and I've been thinking about this quite a bit over the last night, because obviously when me and my buddies, obviously Lions fans, were watching this draft, well, <clears throat> except for Canary, um, we made, we when we made that trade, we were like, oh, we're going back. Gonzo's still there. We're getting Gonzo at 12. We just fleeced and went down, and we still got him. And then we get Jameer Gibbs. Obviously, interesting. Whoa, where where was this kind of idea going? Like, because immediately when people, you're going to look at draft grades all over the place. Jameer, Jameer Gibbs is a D, C plus, C pick. Not the, like considerably the worst pick in this first round. But is he really though? This kid is very, very talented. And I know probably some people are like, oh, you're obviously saying this because you're going to be positive for a Lions fan. You love Dan Campbell. You love Brad Holmes. Well, yeah, whatever. Take that aside. Jameer Gibbs fills a need on this football team right now. And that's the thing. Some people are like, wait, you have Montgomery, you have DeAndre Swift. We don't have an air back, and now we do. Because we're going to need weapons to throw to right out of the gate, and who is one that we could have used that accidentally got himself booted for six games for gambling a facility? J-Mo, one of Jameer's teammates. That was something that they needed. And what Jameer Gibbs will bring, I think this really tells a lot about the outlook of where this football team is going. Because obviously when J-Mo gets back, and then you obviously have, you bring back Marv over from Jacksonville again, then you obviously have Amon Ra, you have Josh Reynolds, you have that crew, Khalif Raymond, so on and so forth. But now you have Jameer Gibbs that fills a need in the depth of the running back position. It's not as big of a need as defense, uh, as far as defensive line or linebacker. I understand that. Or cornerback. I understand that. But now when you have Jameer Gibbs in there, this is going to unlock new scheme for Ben Johnson. And who doesn't want to do that? Because this guy can line up on the outside. He can line up in the slot. And he's a really, really good route runner. The only reason they didn't need him to run as many routes is obviously Alabama receiving core is pretty darn good. And they don't necessarily need a running back in there all the time when you got four NFL caliber receivers out there on the outside for Bryce Young to throw to. So that's the biggest thing I think when you look at it is positional-wise, running backs don't necessarily get drafted that high. And that's why people are saying that's a reach, that's a reach, that's a reach. I understand that. But then we, after the draft, we get reports out that there was teams that were texting after this pick was made that, oh yeah, Jameer Gibbs was going to go 17, 18. He was going to go and somebody's going to trade up to go get him in the next couple picks and he wouldn't have been there at 18. If that's the case and that's true, that's a great move for Brad Holmes. Obviously the 18th pick as well, Jack Campbell, oh my gosh, fits Detroit like perfectly. It. Like it is, a lot. is it a little bit of a reach? Uh, sure. Would he have been there necessarily if we would have waited? Maybe. But here's the thing I want to stress. If you're a GM and you have a player that you know fits your system, that is a really good football player, he's a first-round talent, and it fits your need, and you want him, and you know you can get him, why are you wasting your time? Go get him. I don't care if it's at 24 or if at 6. If that's the football player that's best for your franchise, I don't want... I don't want you to be completely relying on the numbers because if you rely on the numbers, you're going to lose guys. How many GMs have done that? They won't say they will, but you know for a fact probably half those teams last night were banking on some some of these groups of receivers being picked in the early teens. 
and none of them went down until the 20s. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If you are prepared for to be solely on the analytics, on the mock drafts, you will lose. You will absolutely lose. you got to get the guys you love, and they did that. And that's why I'm still sticking with the Lions, even though a lot of these Motor City faithful now have turned into haters overnight, and can't stand it because it's like we did this in yeah. year one, year two. We got guys that we wanted as a franchise and that fit the culture, and we had the best two drafts in the last 10 years that Bob Quinn could never have replicated. And now after one day, we're already panicking. Yeah. I don't understand that, I think guys. it's – we got – we got so, like, especially in those last two drafts, we were like, okay, first one, great. Second one, even better. So when you have such high expectations and when you realize we are probably just one or two pieces away from being a team that can compete and make Literally. it to a division championship or even to a conference championship this upcoming one, two years, everybody has an opinion and everybody thinks they're the GM when it comes to this type of deal. Especially when you look at, you know, Jameer Gibbs and we look at Jack Campbell, everybody is saying right now, it's like, Oh, well four of the last of the next five picks were all offensive players. It's like hindsight is 2020. Now you can say, yeah, we could have probably waited. He might've dropped down, but if he was really good and if he's taken this early, obviously it stuck out to both Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell because being a great player is one thing. Fitting in the culture that Detroit has now makes them even better. It can make a bad, it can make a okay player right because they're able to fit in that system. And that's the one thing, especially now with these drafts that I'm looking forward to, to see when the season comes up is, are they going to be able to fit in this type of situation? Because right now it's a team atmosphere. It's not really me first at all. It's all about being able to adapt to it. And especially for these two picks, I think if we're taking them this early and people have this type of problem with it, Dan Campbell and Dan Campbell, they have a, or home, excuse me, they have a thought process in mind and they know that these guys can fit in. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's how I know that this is going to be a successful draft. Yeah. I think especially this also says that DeAndre Swift's future is in question. And obviously that's not against him as a football player, but this is a business at the end of the day. And he's been a guy that's been very injury ridden and he has really had um, not necessarily a full year of success. And with that in mind, are you going to be going in with David Montgomery's number one guy? Because Chicago pushed him into the ground when they gave him 100% of the touches over their whole season, and then he got wore down, and that's how you had to get Khalil Herbert drafted that one year, and then obviously then he had to play majority of this last year. So then now obviously you have three depth there, so that's okay. Like That is not a bad thing that we had to stack up at that point because he's not necessarily a running back, and that's why I want to stress he is a weapon because you can put him out in the slot. He doesn't have a whole lot of tape from Alabama, but when you saw what he did in workouts, it was really, really good what he did out of the backfield and what he did at the line of scrimmage running routes. And that's a big thing that this team needs. So it'll be very interesting, though, because we still got three second-round picks. I would expect fully that we're going to be going all in on defense on probably all three of these picks. We'll probably take a defensive lineman. We'll probably take a corner, and we'll probably go up to try to bulk up the line once again in that third pick or whatever in whatever order. And I don't care. I don't care what order it is. I trust the Brad Holmes. I trust Dan Campbell. I know in position-wise and analytics, these are all reaches, but if they, they know what they're doing, I'm not going to judge somebody that's got so much more credibility than I ever will on this stuff. So it always, we'll see how it works out in the end, and then obviously in September, in October, November, December, we'll probably be able to know what that's going to mean moving forward. So Yeah, absolutely. It'll be very interesting, but uh, some notable winners and losers maybe here, Joe. Some picks that you liked, didn't like in this first round. Interesting one that I saw was Buffalo Bills taking a tight end. Yeah, Long that Kincaid. one, Kincaid. That was, uh, 
interesting seeing that they got Dawson Knox still, yeah. and he was a solid tight end for him. I'm interested to see is Dawson on his way out? What's the deal? But Dawson and Dalton sounded exactly the same. So maybe they just got a little bit confused with <laughs> what was going on. But very interesting. I mean, he was one of the best tight ends of the the whole college football scene, especially with Utah being able to go so far. He was a very big pivotal point of of how that team was able to have that type of success. Other ones have like they weren't really sticking out to me too much because obviously like I definitely follow Detroit and what they need, but other kind of teams I just listen on draft day, like what they need. And then that kind of just based it off of that, but not really anything else that's been sticking out too much to me. I'm just more surprised that this was definitely a very defensive heavy draft. I feel like other than the middle where there's about four or five uh, offensive players. But if you really look at it uh, outside of the top five, it was a lot of O-line and a lot of defense. Yeah. There was not as many offensive players picked. Uh, and I think one that I certainly liked on the offensive line side, uh, Pittsburgh, Roderick Jones, I think was a really good selection. They moved up uh, a couple picks there to get from that and gave up a fourth rounder, I believe, to draft Roderick Jones. But that's a big need that they have needed for a lot of years, and they've not been really willing to go get it. Now they finally did. And I think that's going to help Kenny Pickett a lot, and that's going to help that running back room a lot, and that's going to certainly help the offense as a whole. And I think that's a really, sure. really good pick because he's a very ferocious offensive tackle, Roderick Jones is. So he's going to be exactly what Pittsburgh envisioned of him. One, and I think the Seahawks also, I mean, Witherspoon and Smith and Jigma, two of the best playmakers in this draft overall. And uh, certainly getting both of them, I don't think was at all expected for them. So I think they're very happy with that. Some that I did not like uh, overall from this draft. I think some also the Eagles getting pretty much all the Georgia Bulldogs back on that defense. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, one pick I did not like uh, in particularly uh, the Jets taking Will McDonald. Then again, same kind of scenario with Detroit. If you like that guy and you want him, go get him right away. Um, I think that there's a lot of I think that there's a lot of depth at that position at edge rusher, uh, especially kind of going into round two. So I was kind of surprised that they decided to take the first rounder to take him. Uh, but he's a very good player. He's very he's got some potential. Uh, but I mean, he was a little bit more inconsistent than some of the other players in the class. So uh, that gives me a little bit of concern. But I think he still could be turn out to be a very good football player. Uh, and I think that also one pick that I was a little bit interested about uh, was I think and I think it was uh, who was it Anton Harrison for Jacksonville. They they do need help at offensive tackle. I understand that. Um, and Anton Harrison is a so he's a mobile guy. Uh, he's not necessarily the the he's a he's bigger in frame, uh, but as far as raw power compared to some of the other tackles, he kind of lacks that. Uh, but I would love to see I would love to see him make up for that. I would love to see him show that. And because I mean, he never, he didn't bench press. He didn't do any of those strength tangible uh, drills at the combine. So it'll be very interesting to see where that lands up. And I think when you look at how this really came about, I think you saw him kind of slipping down there a little bit, but then we had some other, there were some other guys also uh, on the board at that point that they could have went with. But I think that it'll be very interesting to see um, where he goes. But I think that necessarily that late in the pick, I think it was a solid pick. But I think that there's going to be a lot of development that he'll need. And there's not as many guys in Jacksonville I think he can learn that from as opposed to some other teams. So um, it'll just just require a lot of coaching, which I personally did not really kind of see in this pick. But that's when I was questioning just a little bit. But then again, uh, I would say definitely the more questioning one out of that one was probably Will McDonald. So the last kind of thought I had, I didn't have this exactly when they drafted, but I was kind of looking at some forums and stuff and some other discussion boards about the draft kind of this morning and last night when it was going down is with the Packers 13th pick when they chose Van Ness uh, there. He was the edge out of Iowa. I kind of thought they were going to go a quarterback here. 
And that's where I thought that's where I thought Levis was going to go because I thought that could have fit in pretty well. Levis is better than love. Let's be honest. Love. I don't know why they ever chose Jordan love because that was one, a bad pick in general because he hasn't seen the field. And when he's seen the field, maybe like handful of plays maybe. And I think if you chose Levis, I feel like he's definitely, he's a second round to me. He's probably more of an early second round, but for everybody that was hyping him up and stuff, I thought that was going to be where he would have landed because he wouldn't have gone top five at all. But the Packers are like one of the only ones that really, I feel like have a need for a quarterback because with love being that career backup so far and for him to kind of be thrown to the wolves in the NFC North, that's going to be really competitive next year with Minnesota and Detroit. You're going to be struggling with it. And if you give him that type of space where you have that kind of competition between both love and uh, Levis, I thought they were going to be able to kind of compliment each other there, but Packers, not really sure. Uh, I mean, if you go with Ed Rusher, it's whatever. I mean, I wasn't really paying too much attention to what the Packers needed, uh, but that's kind of where I thought Will Levis was going to go if he was going to go first round. But the pick with Lucas Finesse was funny. Did you see his family, like, basically swarming him? Yes. Pick and stuff? Did you know there's a story behind... Uh, so I had actually looked this up as you were talking about Lucas Vaness because I had heard something about this, and apparently Lucas Vaness's girlfriend... Her name's Frankie Komet. You know whose sister that is? Cole Komet, the bear, the Chicago bear really? tight end. Dang. I didn't know this. And that is absolutely hilarious. The fact that they're going to play against each other. I mean, that's, that's crazy to me, but I mean, that's kind of a cool unique, but yeah, I would, I would agree with you there that Lucas Van Ness is a really good player. He's very raw. Some people would say this is a reach, of course, obviously with the concession or the, the concession, the consideration of position of where these guys were picked, but I think he, like, he has a lot of potential. And obviously, there Iowa, he wasn't necessarily the starting rotational guy, uh, or I should say starting guy. He was more of that rotational mm-hmm. specialty guy, and he was so good at it. I mean, he could be a four-down guy. Yeah. And that'll be something that the Packers can now experiment because they've got a pretty decent defensive line. It's not the best, definitely not the worst. But they have a position where he can be kind of freely molded into their system with ease and not necessarily have to be worrying about Picking a guy like Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson that's going to have to play right off the shoot for whatever franchise he's doing. You can kind of get molded in there a little bit. So, uh, plus, I mean, staying in the Midwest country, obviously going from uh, the corn land in Iowa to the cheese land in Wisconsin. So, obviously, not big of an adjustment there. Yeah, no sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was a wild, this was a wild draft, man. I mean, I'll be very interested to see what happens in round two, round three, round four, round five, six, and mm-hmm. seven, which think, will be uh, happening this weekend. But I don't one know. of the one of the big names that I thought was going to get. I was going to be surprised first round, but probably he's going to fall like late second. I thought Hendon Hooker was probably going to make a splash. Yeah, I heard there's some buzz about him to Tampa 19, but, but they obviously went in a different so direction with Cansey. But going to be a um, big difference of signing bonus on yeah. that one. Joey Porter also still on the board after round one. That yeah. one surprised me a little bit. I yeah. thought necessarily, I think it was the uh, the Giants that picked up Banks. I thought Porter might go there, um, I, but I think at the end of the day, I think these are a lot of scheme fits because especially like, I think it was Emmanuel Forbes was picked to the commanders, uh, which that guy's a really good corner. He's a primary zone corner. He's not a man to man corner like Witherspoon. So that kind of fits what Ron Rivera, I think wants for his defense a little bit more, especially now that they got a lot of those guys that can kind of roam around uh, with, obviously they have, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm literally forgetting the name. Jamin Davis from last year from Kentucky versus a linebacker. Um, then as well, I think were they the ones that, 
who was the guy that was uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa? Was he drafted there, I believe it was? Or was he to the Cleveland Browns? I can't actually remember. But anyway. I mean, the Browns. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're going to have to find some sort of scheme now um, to really neutralize some of these NFC East offenses. So uh, I think that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to look forward to um, with that selection there because I think Emmanuel Forbes really fits in that team um, pretty well. And he could be a day one starter for them because they're a little weaker at corner uh, in consideration, I'm sure they wanted Gonzo to be there. Gonzo to the Patriots is an absolute slam dunk for them. But uh, I think so you look at where that team is at, and I think there's still um, a lot of questions that need to be answered um, for that defense. And I think he he's a guy that can go right in there day one and probably make some noise. Yeah, I'm very excited too. I'm, the funniest thing about this day is like to see all the, I mean, especially with Will Levis, how he's visibly angry about not going to the first round because like that's just a big <laughs> yeah. out on like millions and millions of dollars. And I mean, I would be too, because if I was projected to go top 10 and get a probably $25 million plus signing bonus, and then I don't go in the first round, I'd be visibly upset too. Yeah, that's unfortunate for him. Cause I'm sure like as much as at the end of the end of the day, you hate his, com- you hate his videos about the, the eat him, eating a rotten banana and weird putting dude. mayo in his coffee. He's a weird guy. He's a, yeah. I think that's all for show fella. a little bit, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it is a football player missing out uh, on a chance to really support his family. So you can feel for him there. Uh, I think there's a couple places that he could go uh, potentially here later on, maybe even in the potentially the second round. Honestly, I mean, there's some teams that still need uh, some quarterback help for the future. I think you can consider the Rams in that conversation. You can consider the um, I would consider probably saying that the commanders again, uh, 47 could be interested in that department. The Buccaneers, obviously all they have is Kyle Trask at the moment at 50. So I think there's a couple of different places he could go in the second round, but at the end of the day, uh, I think just some people are concerned about what they saw on tape because his decision-making isn't in his read, his processing, even though he tested better on the test than CJ Stroud did. He on tape did not look necessarily like he was really fully understanding of some of those coverages going on. But then again, I'm just a, I'm just a guy sitting in a chair that knows some things about football. I don't know everything about football. So that's just my thought at the end of the day. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see where this draft goes. I don't know. I'll be watching. You guys will be watching. And it should be a really interesting day two and day three. They're from Kansas City. Yeah. Very, very excited to see what happens. Fun stuff. But thank you guys. Love the draft. Love the draft. Love the draft at all. Thank you guys for supporting the show. We appreciate you. I mean, episodes like today is what we've been dreaming for. And you guys made that happen. Uh, and it's been a very special year. Obviously, we're not done yet, but we're feeling closer to the end now uh-huh. uh, as we come towards the end of the semester. But we appreciate you all making sure that you subscribe as well. Been getting good feedback on some episodes, so uh, we appreciate that. Keep it coming. You can answer questions on Spotify as well as you can follow along. Where at, Joe? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I don't know, Google Podcasts, something like that, <laughs> Zencast or everything else. I mean, you got YouTube you can subscribe to. Whatever suits your fancy. We're on basically every platform. Literally. Pretty much. I mean, we're getting there. I even experimented with SoundCloud. Really? Yeah. It's a little bit of a hassle with feeds. So that's why I ended up yeah. not. But if you are a SoundCloud connoisseur, let us know and maybe we'll put it on SoundCloud. Uh-huh. We'll make it work for the fans if they want. If you want it, we'll go get it. It doesn't matter where you're getting picks at. We're going to take whatever measures we need to make sure you guys are satisfied. Just like the Lions in the draft. Mm-hmm. Right? Can't wait for it, man. I know, right? That was pretty bad. Anyway, (laughs) let's end this episode at the MESP Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, take care, everybody.